0: Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast. We believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. The boys are back. The OGs... Well, not the OGs. I guess the the, the new cast has taken over. Boatwright and I are back uh, to... Wrap up the first week of the playoffs, but right, how you feeling after your week one victory?
1: Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, it's it's tough to sit here and say that I'm not excited to win my my first one, but it only gets tougher from here, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, sure. I mean, I'd
0: be slapping you up the head if you know the outlook that you and I discussed, you know, two weeks before this the regular season ended. You we you know kind of thinking there wasn't much hope, and now you know semifinals. I'd be I'd be elated to be sitting in that seat.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> you know, we'll talk about matchups here in a little bit, but I think I'm more optimistic than I was even you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. I mean and again, I mean, rosters being what they were, the the, the bye teams did not fare wonderful last week. If either had played a game even with their best lineups uh in place, you know, injuries aside, I they wouldn't have been moving on. So Yep. You know, you hate to say, oh, on any given Sunday, blah, blah. It's very cliche, but it doesn't mean it's any less true. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, if if your guys show up like they did look, last couple of weeks prior, now you've you've put up uh, some decent scores, the one ninety, one ninety, and one sixty six. So, uh, we'll see. But that holds true for I think Jake as well. But yep. both you and Jake kind of came out strong in in week one of the playoffs here.
1: Yeah, we. I would say that mine and Jake's team are on some sort of heater, whatever, whatever that means in mm-hmm. fantasy football. Um, we we seem to be, uh, have gotten hot at the right time, for lack of better mm-hmm.
0: phrasing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and I get it's all you know. At the end of the day, it is a luck game, and it is kind of about who gets hot when, just like it is in in any other real life sport. But right. uh, I think the. Who is getting hot is really important, and I think both for you and Jake it was the wide receiver position, which is where we'll start off with some fantasy headlines. Um, looking at what the wide receiver position just across the league, but especially on you and Jake's team, but right, Cup puts up 25, Rashid Rice, finally, a wide receiver on the Chiefs team who looks solidified puts up 24, yep. Debo putting up 21 for you, and then for Jake. Jordan Addison and Amari Cooper, 29 and 20 points respectively, uh, carried what I would say was probably the strong performances you guys took in. Um, is this kind of the numbers you were hoping from that wide receiver core when you guys both traded to get them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I will say I took a bit of a flyer on Rasheed Rice. I had seen some of the hype around him um, over the season, and it had never really panned out. Um, but actually, just today, and I'm going to I'm going to, I'm gonna butcher the other person, so I can I can look this up here afterwards to confirm. But I saw something like over the last three weeks, Rashie Rice is the number three scoring wide receiver in fantasy, bas- behind CeeDee Lamb. And I think it's Tyreek Hill, um, but I I could be wrong on who that second person is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the point being is like I I do think like a lot of my success is is recently is because Rashie Rice has kind of solidified himself as the number one target. Uh, interestingly, even over Kelsey in the yeah. Chiefs offense. And um, Cooper Cup is finally starting to like play like we expect Cooper fantasy Cooper <laughs> Cup to play as. Yes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Exactly. Um, on the, the flip side of the house, Addison putting up 29 points with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson did play this week, right? I, I
0: believe so. I will double check to be sure, um, but I do believe he did
1: is is not unsurprising. I assume they're taking it easy on Justin Jefferson. So hopefully that continues for uh for Jake, you know. Um and then I imagine Amari Cooper will will continue to produce at his level. Um Flacco has passed the ball 44, 43 and 46 times in the three games he's played, and I don't think that's going to slow down because Flacco is 55,000 years old and can't run. So
0: yeah, he's a pocket passer for a through-and-through, through, absolutely, uh, but yeah, I, I I don't see any reason why I wouldn't, and yeah, Jefferson did, uh, the split actually was 10 targets, Jefferson, six to Addison, now Addison caught all six of his for 111 and two TDs, uh, Jefferson caught 84, or caught seven for 84 and no touchdowns, but you know, the, the targets isn't necessarily the end of the world, but like, as long as they're slinging that ball around and he's getting a you know, at least a 33% target share, you probably feel pretty good about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to think Debo puts up as much as he does on, uh, uh, I, though, <laughs> I guess there's two thoughts here. Significantly less target share, but I believe he is well on his way to kind of solidifying himself as the number one receiving option on that team as well. Um I don't think it's very... um what am I trying to say here? I don't think it's there's a big gap there, but I believe he right. has been the first read on something like sixty or fifty percent of like passing downs.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was a better split whenever he was not healthy, even prior to him going on IR early in the season. IU he had that. I think it was week two, the game he blew up, um, <clears> and or maybe it was week one. Even he he blew up and absolutely went off, um, and then obviously with Debo out, he was Ayuk was the only option next to Kittle. But yeah, I think since coming back and then getting actually what you know at least this late in the season healthy he is he is looking to be the the number one choice for Brock Purdy when it's not CMC ball so right which um, it mostly
1: is
0: (laughs) yeah well that's very true um but yeah but actually if we we look at this real quick just to to turn it to the playoff perspective here uh I want to look at the wide receiver rooms for each team because I like I said my my takeaway from this was that uh, the wide receiver rooms were what made or broke the day for the teams that made it in the first round of the playoffs. So if we're going to take a look here, let's just, I'm just going to read some names off to you, blast them out. And then you're going to rank them for me based on the four teams to remain in the playoffs. So Got it. Nate's wide receiving core. And and I didn't list everybody. If there's somebody on, on the bench, you probably not going to play minus an injury. Um, you know, I didn't include them, but basically anyone who might see time. So for Nate, it's Garrett Wilson, Brandon Ayuk, C.D. Lamb, and T. Higgins, Damon is Amon Ra, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, uh, Quinnett Johnson, and Josh Reynolds, and Jakes, uh, Jordan Addison, Drake London, Amari Cooper, George Pickens, and Jameson Williams. And then your Devo, Rashid Rice, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, and Zay Jones. Just snap, give me a quick one. Yeah. One through four. Who do you like?
1: Uh so I'll take Damon as one. Um, me is to Nate as a close two B, and then mm. Jake is a, like a, a three, a distant three. So it's mm. probably Damon, me, Nate, and Jake. But I think you could probably interchange me and Nate pretty, pretty safely. In my yeah,
0: opinion. I, I tend to agree. I mean, it, I I think that would be my my snap ranking as well. Now, if I think about it a little more,
1: yeah. Because um,
0: obviously, I put this together. I mean, injuries scare me. Both Allen and Hill missed time last week. Um, I don't know if that, let's say it this way, I don't know if like, on potential I can downgrade Damon's room, but if either of those guys miss time, let alone both those guys miss time, it's a very different story. Um, yeah. I think, like I said, I'd rather have Debo than Iuke, but I'd rather have Lamb than maybe anyone else on your side. But then I think all of those guys beat T. Higgins and even Garrett Wilson, because we don't know what the quarterback situation, it looks like Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play this year after that loss last week, but yeah. you never know. They, they play games. This is especially New York news media. So I, um, uh, I saw from, Oh, good. Sorry. Okay.
1: I saw from his, uh, his interview with Pat McAfee that he said if, if he might be medically cleared, but he's not at 100%. So he's not going to push to play. And that was to, today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my inclination is that, and and I'm sure nobody will outright say it, had the Jets won this week, mm-hmm. he probably would have pushed to come back. But with a loss this week, he's just, he's done. Yeah, clear path to the playoffs
0: is a different story. I, yeah, I think you're spot on there. So I, I think that with injuries in mind or given quarterback situations, man, it is really, it, there's not a lot between you, Nate, and Damon. And I think you're right. Jake's kind of the only outlier. London has proven to be unreliable. Pickens, I mean again the quarterback situation, so I don't know, but yeah, it, again, these are just snap judgments, and yeah. guys will go off and kind of have days, and we'll we'll actually touch on that in the next section, but yeah, I, I tend to agree um I think with your assessment there cool. Cool, cool, cool. uh other notable performances we already talked about them a little bit, but c m c goes off for what c m c does puts up forty one points unfortunately, sitting on Kevin's bench, uh so no actual implications there, He's same on for the james Cook. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, James Cook actually looking like the back that I drafted him to be. Unfortunately, you know, no late. good to me. Uh, Jared Goff goes for 31, and Kyron Williams goes for 24. So uh, CMC aside, I think, right, because we expect that out of CMC. But Cook, uh, big game. Goff has been consistent, but not a ton of big games out of him. And Kyron has proven to be apparently this big game back who's going to put up these 20-plus point games more often than you think. Uh, which of these guys or somebody else who maybe isn't in this group has the best chance to have his type off his pop off like performance and maybe turn the tide for one of the uh, teams still remaining in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I think that I probably went with the obvious one for, for (laughs) my first one is that's Tyreek Hill. And the reason I put him there is that there's a lot of uncertainty. Hill has come out and said like last week, Hey, if I play, I won't be the same Tyreek Hill. I have been, Mm -hmm. he missed time. Um, but I think that Damon obviously is really looking for Hill to be who we're used to Hill being, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then for me, I think that there's a really good chance that despite me hyping him up, um, (laughs) how at this point might be a big, big weight around my ankles here moving Mm -hmm. to the next round. Um. I think that he's got all the potential that he had leading into it. My concern is that they benched him. And the last thing I want to do is get caught with how getting benched in a playoff game,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, yeah, that totally makes sense. I agree that, you know, Hill's probably a guy who you lock in. He's a, he's an elite level CMC kind of top three guy who you lock in with a certain percentage, but that injury, especially an ankle to kind of a quick twitch wide receiver that he is and what gives him his, his elusiveness and speed. Um, it does kind of make you question it, that maybe he is on a lock, but if he does what he's been doing all season long, he absolutely probably wins the week for Damon, you know, uh, outright. If yeah. he has that kind of 35 to 40 point game where he can just eat up a defense. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Good.
1: Uh, just on Hill. I think it's it, guys like Hill are the worst ones for me to get hurt. Right. It'd be the mm-hmm. same thing if like CMC or Lamar got hurt because mm-hmm. if they're playing, you're not going to sit them so they have like all the potential of just being a big hand grenade in your, in your lineup because you, you likely use like high draft capital to get them. You mm-hmm. need him to be, to play basically, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And who else do you have to supplement that offense, even at 30, 40, 50%, right? Right. Like a, a hill at 30% is better than Josh Reynolds, maybe at a hundred, um, right. probably on most days. So, right. But you're right. There is still that chance. Um, and I think on Sam, how, uh, he has he has shown an adversity to um, in adversity to still put up points that probably he has no business putting up a, a you know other than on his sheer will. So it is probably sensible to think that a regression is coming somewhere. Um, and they're playing a decent defense. Uh, you never know. So we'll see. Um, I think for my side of the question, the big one for me, and I looked through all the playoff teams still alive. I think is Brees Hall. Brees Hall has disappointed immensely. And I think people were even had reservations about him coming into the season with coming back from the ACL, but he's also had one or two games of brilliance where you'd think that with a bad quarterback situation, they feed him, whether it's in the screen game or, you know, off direction runs where he has some space and he can get downfield. Um, but I think that he has the potential, like he showed this week, that when he finally gets space and gets room, he can be that explosive player he was in a top five back he was before the injury last season. So I think he could be the guy on Jake's team that could propel him to a win, like, unexpectedly. Uh, I think on the flip side, kind of in the same thinking you had, Jordan Love has looked not the guy who people had hoped he was. He hasn't blown the doors off this year, uh, I don't think, but he's been consistent. Um, and But struggling, I think. 10 and 12 points in his last two games respectively. And he just hasn't looked at lollipop and balls. Um, so I think that you, like you said, you, you, you don't want him, you don't put him in the lineup. He's maybe not as explosive a choice as how, but you don't put him in the lineup feeling good about what he's going to do for your team.
1: Yeah. I actually read a thing that his best games comes from um, like conference games. Mm. Um, whenever he plays somebody outside of the conference, he puts up a big old, big old stinker. <laughs> and then whenever he plays a conference opponent, he has a good week.
0: Um, so he gets G'd up for the quote-unquote important games or the rivalry games, I guess?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know, man. I guess so.
0: Man, um, I don't know either.
1: Either way, I, I tend to agree. I think the problem with Brees Hall, too, Um, he's almost a lesser version of Hill for me in the sense that, like, Brees Hall himself has looked good. Like, I've watched more Jets games than I care to admit this year, <laughs> Um, and he he himself has looked good. It's the problem with, it's the same thing I think about Garrett Wilson. There is nothing to support him. They have no Mm -hmm. low line. I saw a stat that Zach Wilson was pressured on 80% of dropbacks in the first half last year. That is fucking (laughs) insane. How do you, how do you get anything going? You can't get a run game established with that. You can't get a a passing game established with that. You're just, you know, it's really easy to blame the quarterback room, but I think that the, the. The Jets have some foundational problems that are holding guys like Garrett Wilson and um, Brees Hall back. With that being Absolutely. said, all it takes is Brees Hall to rip off one 75-yard run and a touchdown, and you're like, oh, shit, there's 15 points for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Oh, yeah, you're exactly spot on. I think I saw – I. I'm sure it's the the one that's making the rounds uh, on social media was the the film of all five of the rushers getting into Zach Wilson and Mm -hmm. all of his defenders just like standing on the like close to the line of scrimmage and it was like it was like they didn't exist right Um, yeah and that's he's he's running for his life back there literally it's not it's not hyperbole so it's
1: it's funny they'll often call like linemen turnstiles Mm -hmm. um I don't even think that turnstiles is fair to call them because like there's just nothing like at least yeah. a turnstile slows you down yeah you know? Mm-mm.
0: yeah uh <laughs> but i think with that in mind let's look at uh the matchups and how you and jay and jake made it into the next round of the playoffs so it was the fifth seed uh cocaine bears jake taking on the fourth seed Morgoth yeah. jc uh and jake takes it in convincing fashion 164 to 105 um, this is unfortunately the JC team we kind of saw earlier in the season where there was a lot of potential, but they just weren't putting up points. Uh, and Jake kind of rolling into that hot streak, uh, just is going to be the one moving on. Um, if you kind of look just at it, you know, what happened here, what do you think was the most detrimental performance for JC and what's the most encouraging performance for Jake running into next week's matchup?
1: I... I, I, this is tough because I'm, I'm talking with hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Najee Harris and Ford being as bad as they've been has, was like a really big detriment to, to Jake's chances. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't expect your kicker to go negative one. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I look at Jake's team and like the process is good on, on, not Jake, excuse me. Um, Kevin? JC. JC, I'm bad with names, guys. I <laughs> so, apologize. It's always going to be a problem. It's, it's uh, a running game. Yeah, JC, <laughs> uh, not like sometimes you just get bad breaks, and that's what this looks like <laughs> to me. Right? Who expected Dallas to to fall apart against the mm-hmm. Bills and get into a negative game script? Well, that that scripts out Tony Pollard, right? Um, yeah. I, the Steelers just didn't show up. Like, I don't know. Like, sometimes you just catch bad breaks. You
0: know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even his elite guys didn't show up. I mean, his quarterback room was fine. He got seven, 16, 17 points respectively. But TJ Hawkinson, who's been a guy who's been putting up, uh, you know, a, a minimum 15 points a game and generally blowing up for more than that, um, has – he hasn't struggled but with, you know, the changing quarterback and only getting 12 points out of the guy who – you drafted to be elite is not going to what you need in a head to head week one matchup. So yeah, I think, I think you're right in your analysis. It wasn't any one particular failing. It was just that the guys who have shown tendencies to struggle like Pollard early in the season um, or the Steelers running back room early in the season, kind of all reared their ugly head at the wrong time. And Jake's team was consistent putting up, you know, just really good points across the board, big performances of Baker Mayfield of all people um, And we mentioned Jordan Addison. And even still, Dalton Kincaid put up a goose egg. Yeah. And he still puts up a buck 64. So well, that's
1: that's actually what I was going to call out about Jake's team. If I'm Jake, mm-hmm. I'm probably slightly worried about, like, what are you doing in your tight end position? What do you do mm-hmm. in your, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire won't mm-hmm. play this week. Right. right. Um, now, I
0: think uh, Brian Robinson Jr. is slated to return this week and should return to the starting lineup or starting role. So something there. Uh, He was, you know, but yeah. No, I agree with you. There are definitely some question marks in his lineup because even prior to him missing the game last week, Brian Robinson has struggled the two weeks prior. So, yeah, you're right. There are are question marks heading into. uh, But again, it's on the backs of, you know, running backs who can put up decent. I mean, again, Brees Hall, we we just talked about him. 2.8 points. Right. Unacceptable in a playoff
1: game. Right. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, but. Uh, I think, with all that said, Jake's just after all of the turmoil that Jake has gone through in the five seasons or so to make it into the playoffs, and then have such a rather dominating performance should at least make him feel good. Um, and going up against uh, Nate next week um, should be should be interesting. Um, yeah, but. <laughs> Let's move on to your performance. The, the the rivalry game, as it were, finally and all good rivalries are best made in the playoffs. Uh, number six, the coast of Anthony Richardson. You had re-rostered him just as you said you would to put him on IR, um, and uh, going up against Eddie, uh, Mister Bateman. It was a closer one. There was there was there was there was something there. There was there were chances, especially going into that Monday night game. Uh, but you were able to pull off the win, uh, one sixty six to one forty six. Um, how you feeling? I know I asked you earlier, um, but, but ha- how would you feel uh, when, when Final Whistle blew on Monday night?
1: I think that I, I man, it, it's tough because I I feel personally good because I felt like it was a long shot for me to make the playoffs in, in the mm-hmm. first place where I was coming in like three weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. I can remember like conversations I had leading into it that was just like yeah man i'm just kind of like i'm just kind of done right like I, mm-hmm. and i accepted that Sure. Yeah. to then have to go to be like ah oh, shit i'm one game out from the championship right like mm-hmm. i just need a good week here and then mm-hmm. i i'll take man i i want to win right obviously if yeah. i can make the chip from everything that i dealt with as a manager this year I will, i will have called this season a good <laughs> season for me you know yeah absolutely
0: yeah i mean if we just take a quick look back we we started like week seven you went four straight losses from week eight to week 11 now i and i actually don't know if you hit the median in any no. of those weeks no huh? um so you had to do almost the impossible and you ripped off four or three straight wins and three straight median wins like mm-hmm. i believe that week 12 won um to even make it in, and then you've continued, you know, with another really solid performance. And I think that's what it was, right? Nobody, you know, really blew up for you per se, but you're getting, you know, average above average, if not, you know, propping up ceiling level numbers from pretty much your whole team. Right, right. And, and, And that's to say, Eddie didn't put up a bad fight. Eddie put up 146 points. That's median most weeks, if we're talking the regular season, which is kind of how we talked earlier in the year he constructed his team and then he went out Got guys like alvin kamara kyron has been huge for him um but he just kind of lacked unfortunately in some of their spots christian I mean, kirk going on ir was a big shot to him for sure
1: yeah i mean kirk alave being out he's uh-huh. got and and i i don't want to i think this is a testament to his team so please don't take this as me attacking his team mm-hmm. he's got two turnovers from mahomes he's got two fumbles from kyron william that's eight points Mm -hmm. and then you put Olave in, and he's beating me, right? Like,
0: presumably,
1: right? I'm assuming Mm -hmm. Olave puts up 15 points. But if you get rid of the turnovers, he's beating me at that point, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's off the packs of the guy replacing Hodel Beckham putting up 2.4 after a good showing the week prior. So, yeah, I think it was a good competitive matchup, and – you know, Eddie hit Eddie. I, we we joke about whether someone is or isn't their record on the podcast, but Eddie was the, the lock in third seed. He was that solid. Yeah, he got the points each week, and I think you just, you know, your team did what it needed to to kind of pull it out. So yeah. we'll see if you keep rolling, I guess. But yeah. um, were there any other takeaways you had from the the playoff games that that mattered?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yes, but not in a fair way to the to the one and two seed, So here's what mm-hmm. I'll say. I look at this, this especially their weeks, and I say to myself, like, holy shit, this playoffs is wide open right now. I still have my beliefs on who I think is going to win it. And hmm. spoiler, it's not me. Um, <laughs> but I, I could see a scenario where quite literally any person in the playoffs right now wins it, and it wouldn't shock me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is kind of my takeaway, too, and it's less that I think... It it is, you know, uh, sure, Garrett Wilson brings Nate's team down a little bit and the injuries to Damon's team. But I really think it's that I think what this week proved to me is that you and uh, Jake both have more firepower when your teams are, are, you know, fully firing. Enough firepower to at least compete with the guys who have been putting up the 180, 120s, you know, and consistently scoring between 140 and 160 each week to be the one and two seed, respectively. So, Yeah. um, yeah, I really think that. Going into next week, it is it is really kind of anyone's matchup. But let's let's see how whose matchup it is as we kind of look ahead to the the playoff matchup for the semifinals. So, uh, first one is going to be Bay Harbor Butchers. That's Nate taking on Cocaine Pair, which is Jake the one seed versus the five seed. Uh, so I'm going to ask three questions here on each of these matchups to kind of really look into it. Who is the most important player on each side? Mm-hmm. Who has care who what player is carrying the most risk if they start them? And obviously ultimately who you got. Right. Okay. So if we're looking at, at that matchup then with, with Jake and Nate, who is your most important player? Say let's start with Jake's.
1: Yeah, so Gibbs is gonna be my most important player for, for Jake. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's I say that because if I look at Gibbs. Gibbs has the potential to just run away with a game. Like, to, like his highs are are like, high. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, his a, is... a
0: really high-variance player, for sure. Yes.
1: If Gibbs has a good game, which I have no, no doubt that he will, then I think Jake is in a very good spot. I think his biggest risk is London. I'd be punting London or Kincaid <laughs> so far out of my lineup that they don't even exist anymore right? Mm-hmm. Um, the reality of it is is that Arthur Smith is a terrorist, a football terrorist, <laughs> and Kincaid seems to have been faded out of that offense for whatever reason.
0: Um, yeah, which is crazy because he was, at the midway point, he looked to be the most consistent part of the offense when that offense was struggling. Right. He was seeing somewhere between like eight to 11 targets a game and putting up any, you know, 15 points consistently, and then we just decided that that's not the thing anymore. Probably, I think it was right when the offensive coordinator change happened. Yep. Um, so maybe it, you chalk it up to that. I agree that for, for Jake's side, he is absolutely uh, the one I, with the most variance for me and the, the one who carries the most risk. Uh, I, Drake London's not far behind. Again, he's also because of what you said. But um, I think for me, Jake's most important player is, is Brees Hall exactly what I just illustrated because I think he's the guy who has that almost the way you, the same way you described Gibbs he has that same huge ceiling potential where if he rips off a 75 yard screen pass and then you know puts up 10 more carries for 58 yards great he that's that's points you need but if not he can put up three points right especially when that offense is bad and that offense has been bad lately yes um I think looking at the flip side for me looking at Jake's lineup. Uh, I think I think the guy who is most important is CD Lamb. As goes with that team, goes CD Lamb because Lamb has been so consistent. For, yeah. I mean, since not to remind you, but since you moved him, right. he has been so consistent in what he has done. And we saw this week when that offense struggles, which struggling for him is different. But when that offense struggles, you know, it kind of loses some of the teeth in Jake's lineup. Even when Laporte is still putting up twenty eight points. Lineup. Or Nate's lineup, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, but he's still putting up 28 points. So, um, yeah, I don't know who is. is who do you think on, on Nate's side is is the guy who matters most?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Fields. Yeah. Um. Fields has all the potential in the world to to blow up games too. Like I think it's basically the same thing you said with CeeDee Lamb, right? Like I just tend to weigh a quarterback room more heavily. Mm-hmm. Like if Fields runs for fifty, throws two touchdowns, you're that's a what a fifteen point week floor plus whatever yardage he's mm-hmm. got, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a reasonable like week. I could see that happening. Do you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Conversely, I could see Fields not doing anything close to that. You know, he's got Arizona this week, so uh, that's a good matchup for him. Mm-hmm. But you never know. Yeah, no,
0: I, I, I think I tend to agree. Like I said, I think we've all expected him to blow up, and other than that one game, the Thursday night game that he had, where he had to continue hookup with, uh, with DJ Moore, and I think he put up like 32 points, it were. Um, he hasn't been the elite guy, and some people have said he's not. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that Nate's analysis on him, at, just as you know, a fantasy asset, is that he isn't all that elite, but he's relying on him now because you know, injuries to the quarterback position. So we'll see if, you know, we'll see which version of him we get. But I agree with you that if he, you know, if we get the guy we got last week, it's going to be a problem for him, uh, for Nate, for sure. I think the guy that carries the most risk, though, for me, and maybe this is a cop-out answer, is his flex two, because I'm not sure if you've looked at his most recent lineup changes. He's playing David Njoku. Mm-hmm. And that's a strategic choice. I have not done the numbers. I have no idea if that's the proper. But he's playing David Njoku over Garrett Wilson, who, while we have illustrated, has had his struggles. And even T. Higgins, who had a good week last week, but is not the number one option in that offense. Man, it's a dice roll. Which of those three guys you're going to play? Do you get the floor of a tight end like Njoku, who has been performing well, especially with Flacco a quarterback? Or do you do one of the more established names, um, you know, to get their potential ceilings in a one week playoff matchup and you know, probably lean towards the, the floor, but I don't know. What do you think?
1: Um, I would probably lean towards the floor as well, but I actually mm-hmm. don't have him. as my riskiest play. I like him a lot with Flacco. Mm-hmm. I think that you're looking at 15 points at him, at least there I'm you. actually more concerned about basically his entire running back room. minus ETN. So I guess that's just Barkley mm-hmm. and Henry. Sure. Um, Which I know, it's like, oh my god, you're worried about Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry, and I think that they're struggling from the same thing that Brees Hall is, to a lesser degree, um, where the offense is is inept. And so, like, Saquon Barkley's up against the number one run D, I believe the number one or number two run D in the... Actually, I can check. (laughs) Can't I? Uh, One of the top run D's in the league, in the Mm -hmm. Eagles. Uh, Fourth. And then Derrick Henry looked old, man. Like I've never, I've never seen Derrick Henry play and think like, oh my God, he doesn't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And they've definitely shown more of that by playing Spears more than you probably expected this year. I think, you know, I think I, people were saying to take flyers on Spears as he might see some play this year. I I think the stat was close to a 50, 50 split in the backfield as of like week 14 when I, last time I looked. So it definitely is concerning, and I think does lead to the fact that his age is finally showing up. For you know the 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 God that is Derrick Henry. Believe me, I'm a Derrick Henry stand. Like I would draft him aside from all analysis for the last couple of years now, if I had the opportunity. But yeah, I, I yeah, I definitely can see why he would be a concern. Uh, you know, going into like you said, because he's had four games of uh five five points or less, which is you know is he going to trip into another one of those games or does he look like the Derrick Henry of old? So yeah. It's definitely a risky question,
1: especially if, uh, if they're starting Tannehill, uh, Yeah, <laughs> but I, with that being said, I think the thing to remember here is, especially as we go into me and Damon, we're picking risky people on final four playoff rosters, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's really tough to sit here and be like, Oh, Derrick Henry sucks. It's like, well, no, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. he's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you-
0: Oh yeah, it's it's all within context that these are the well four best teams, or at least the four teams that have made it the furthest. So yeah, they they definitely did something right. Their lineup is there. So yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I I agree with you that it's definitely take it within the context and the confines of this is the playoffs. We are one game away from our from our finals. So you know, risk is a risk means a different thing you know now as opposed to week four for sure. Right, exactly. But I, with that being said, ultimate question: Who
1: you got? Uh, well, this is tough. I, <laughs> I want to pick the underdog. I, I, for some reason, I, I think Jake's team is on a heater right now, mm-hmm. Um, which is what you need. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's what I think.
0: So, so Jake is the pick you're taking the underdog? I am. God, every part of my good sense says I can't and I have to go with, and I have to go with Nate. And the only thing that gives me any pause Is I hate his quarterback room and the way it looks right now. You know, and that's not his fault. He's had just a run of bad injuries. Um, But I know people seem to believe in Joe Flacco. But I I mean, he came out hot, you know. But I'm not sure he continues that run. And Justin Fields has been inconsistent, Um, but he's so strong everywhere else, which is the reason he's the number one seed heading in. Uh, I, I think I, as much as I want Jake's run to keep going i'm just not sure it runs up against and i think i have to go with nate
1: that's fair that's a fair assessment
0: (laughs) listen i did i picked with my head and not my heart and we'll see if it comes back to bite me and i'll be you know i'll be i'll be okay if it does sorry sorry nate i i think we're all all secretly rooting for for jake a little bit here
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: uh all right time to remove your bias we're gonna jump down to, to the next matchup it's your your you taking on damon um and this one, I think, has just a very different feel to me, and I don't know necessarily know why that is, um, but I'll, I'll kind of take my my look at it since you know I'm I'm not involved, and then you can kind of come behind it here with on each of these topics. But I think for me, we're looking at your side. Your most important player is Sam Howe. Yep. and he's also going to be my answer for your riskiest player for what we already touched on. Don't get me wrong; your running back room carries risk, uh, Montgomery is goes as Gibbs goes so you know whose week is it going to be I, I like your wide receiver room and then but you know you're carrying both puka and cup so does LA if LA struggles that's going to hurt you but I think that Hal, who has been you know I think he's wide or he's quarterback eight on the year right now has been part, an essential part to your rise and what got you to where you are now has just not looked great in his last two games, and everyone has said that he's going to continue to struggle through a bad offense and a a tough schedule. And so looking at the New York Jets, who are one of the stoutest defenses in the league, and I think the number one against the pass, uh, I think your week goes how he goes. But I don't know. What do you think?
1: Uh, That is my read as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Man, it's tough to sit here and, like, I know I've been a Stan of Sam Howell. (laughs) I, <laughs> I, and I continue to feel that way. It's very uh-huh. tough to pass. Like, here's the thing, and I don't want to get too tangential, but like in fantasy football, volume is king. Like, uh-huh. it does not matter if, if obviously you want touchdowns, but if somebody yeah. throws for 400 yards, like that's good points no matter what, you know? Yeah, right. But I just, I, I and now I guess now my concern is Sam's vol, Sam Howell's volume has been visibly threatened with him getting benched. Don't mm-hmm. know, like Rivera has come out and said Sam Howe's still our starter. We pr- we benched him to protect him. We're still confident
0: in him. That's right. the old line,
1: right? But that doesn't mean shit to me. Mm-hmm. And so or I, should it? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so like the last thing I want to be cut co- is him coming out laying a bad egg first half, and then they're like, "Fuck it, let's go to Jacoby and see what happens."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I think God, it's such a double edged sword, right? Because the other problem is is that you could you can try to cut that off at the at the pass and maybe pick up a waiver wire quarterback or whatever but then he goes off and he throws for three touchdowns runs for another and you know doesn't only throws one pick today and only fumbles once and you get 24 points out of him and you're like well shit yeah right so right. yeah it's it's it, it, that's the eternal struggle of being a fantasy football owner with i don't want to say inconsistent but a high variance or or you know uh
1: it, struggling player it's funny too because leading into this week i wouldn't have said he's inconsistent i think we were talking about him a little bit earlier in the week and it was like i guess like full full disclosure i i had seriously considered keeping flacco and dropping how and i I think that me and cows were just talking about stats a little bit here and like he was like man like you gotta look at how i think he's had one game under 18 points up until like this week
0: I think it's yeah, actually I, been
1: two, but still. Yeah. Cause
0: yeah, we had this conversation. He had three games of sub 10 points, but he had, uh, I think it was something dumb, like 10 games over 17. Right. He And he's not blowing the doors off. He only had one thirty point game, but he's been consistent in how desperate that team has been to throw the ball. Right. Um, and keep competitive in games. So yeah, it is an interesting roll of the dice for sure. Um, but, you know, we'll see what you ultimately end up going with and if it pays off. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at the other side, though, for most important, um, there's actually a lot of picks here for for Damon, which is not what I would have expected. And of course, a lot of that is due to his injuries at the wide receiver, mainly Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen, um, both currently with question mark tags. I don't think either practice today. Um, but. We'll see what we get out of either of them, you know, moving forward. But um I think actually his most important player is Brock Purdy. Um, and that's simply because Brock Purdy has been you his same how has been so consistent, not blowing the doors off anybody, but he's put up twenty two plus points, twenty-one plus points, five out of the last six games. Um, and you know. It, we, we talk about how heavily we weight the importance of a quarterback room and he's the the model of it. Like a guy who was drafted in the last round because of our quarterback rules and Nate needed another quarterback and had his pick has turned into right now the number four quarterback on the year paired with a 2 uh, at a on low is an extremely strong quarterback room. So as long as Brock Purdy continues his consistency, I don't see, you know, it's going to be tough. It, it already puts you behind the eight ball probably
1: yeah yeah absolutely um do you want to do his riskiest
0: oh yeah i i think the I, it's a cop-out answer but his risk is both his what his injured star wide receivers you when you have the number one and number three star wide receiver both miss time and are now you know again it's tuesday night we don't know what their status is going to look like but oh uh, god when you know i i especially when you look at his bench uh you know not to not to take shots at the number two seed in the league but there's not a lot of depth behind them you got Josh Reynolds who I included um and uh Quinnette Johnson and that's it yeah um and so if he's got to play either or both of those guys man does it really change the look of this thing so I think just on the injury prospect alone they're both just so damn risky
1: yeah I uh I tend to agree with your assessment if I can be a little cheeky (laughs) in my most important player um Please allow me if you, if, mm. if I can't, then just consider uh, Birdie because I agree with your assessment. But <laughs> my my most important player is going to be uh, Easton Stick for for Damon. I
0: gotcha, I gotcha.
1: <laughs> uh, honestly, I know that's a bit of a cop out. Once again, but like the big question I have is: Does Keenan Allen lose all value if he is playing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I like mm-hmm. truly, what is. What, what can you even trust, Keenan Allen, at that point?
0: Um. Well, can you can't trust that entire offense. I mean, Austin Eckler, who again is not someone who's factoring into this year's playoffs for us, but they they, they lose to a Raiders team who, don't get me wrong, has been on the ups since of the, the the coaching change, but they put up sixty three points, and it was sixty three. I think it was it was not that late into the fourth quarter when they were up sixty three to seven, right? right that that offense looked atrocious, and the only reason he had any production was garbage time and don't get me wrong, garbage time counts all the same, but you you can't rely on a garbage time you know two touchdown drive score in a fourth quarter to prop you up i at least not if I was the fantasy
1: manager right exactly so i think yeah. that I think that like ultimately it is the same answer as you have as his his mm-hmm. wide receiver room, you know yeah for sure
0: uh, yeah it, it, again it, not to be pedantic or not to uh you know be too obvious about it, but just it it really does seem like the 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 narratives going into this week are pretty obvious yeah um and you know if anyone has any others, throw them in the chat. there's something else interesting we missed, but yeah. it's gonna be it'll be on the reports of those injuries and then you know kind of the things we've already touched on, but I guess ultimately then in terms of who you got. I'm not going to caveat it because I could caveat it with the injuries. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pull the ripcord, Damon. You have had a hell of a season. I've been championing you left, right, and center, and, and off the backs of that wide receiver room. But I gotta, I gotta go with my boy. <laughs> but right, I, I want to see whether it's Nate or it's or it's the upset bowl. I don't, or, you know, the 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 underdog bowl. I don't care, but I I, I gotta see you pull through on this one.
1: Yeah, I I man, it's tough because I I feel boxed into choosing myself. Do you mm-hmm. know what I
0: mean?
1: Yeah. I'm gonna remove my bias as much as I possibly can with this <laughs> answer. I think that Damon has a better team on paper than me. Just flat. No out. His team is no better. Mm-hmm. I think that when a team gets hot, And I'm not saying that there's fantasy has a lot of like influence in this because it has zero influence. Mm -hmm. But if a team gets hot for whatever reason, whether all their pieces are clicking or one guy's clicking hard, that can be very, very tough with as much questions as Damon has about it. Yeah. So I think I am going to caveat it only because I have a personal bias in this is that if Damon misses, I'm going to go with either Hill or Keenan. I like myself. If they Mm -hmm. both play, I've got Damon. It's just really what it comes down to for sure. me.
0: See, I wasn't willing to caveat it. I don't know why. I, well, <laughs> I, I probably I could have. I should have. It's the smart thing to do. I went with my brain on the first pick. But well, this so one,
1: here's, here's the thing. And I guess just like full disclosure, and I know that like we, we kind of condone a little bit of shit talking here. Yeah, for um, sure. I, I don't feel like I can give an objective analysis by saying I picked me. You know what I mean? Well, you know, yeah, but I don't think people come here for the objective analysis. Like, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe it's, but it's uh, also, also, if I'm being honest here, it's tough for me to sit here and say, I pick myself when I think every time this question has come up this, this year on the podcast, I've said, Damon mm-hmm. is going to win it all.
0: Well, that's, that's very true, but here's, here's the thing. And it doesn't mean anything. It was a week five matchup, but in the last time they had matchup, you beat him barely with about, a, well, about the same number as you put up the last, last week. So, I, listen you know you can you can try to remove bias and just look at it analytically and that was a very different team in fact i think you have a better team now than you did then i don't but... have
1: dj more to put 54
0: <laughs> <laughs> very true but yeah so i we'll see it'll be man i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to it just because i would i would love to be able to pull in whoever Nate or jake and uh you know, yourself and have an interesting conversation going into the final week, if that's the case and, and doing it for the championship. But again, if Damon pulls it off, we have, yeah, this, this podcast has seemingly been a, a, a Damon, uh, supporting one. Yeah. I mean, he's sure. got a good team, so, man. Like it's really it, tough got, to sit
1: here and say he does it, you know, and he, it, it it's on the back of just really
0: good drafting, right? right? He drafted into just an excellent, excellent team and then built well when he needed to and moved when he needed to. And that's not to all measure. I mean, we all know we've, we've, We had Jake or we had Nate on for an entire episode about his trade strategy, because I think objectively he's probably one of the best in the league in terms of the confines of what we do in 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 BPW. So, you know, I think all four of you guys, Jake, yourself and and Damon, got here on your own merits. And now we just watch some football and see where it lies.
1: Yeah, I get to worry about this all Christmas Day now. Oh yeah! (laughs) believe me, the
0: the chat. I mean, I remember the chat last year when Garden Manchu was was blowing up. um, But it's going to be even more stressful uh, as we were going to watch these ones, as uh, so many of the active, the more, the most active participants in the chat are going to be playing and having their eyes
1: on games. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens, man. I'm excited though. Uh,
0: I don't know, I'm excited as well. But any final thoughts as we kind of wrap it up here and cruise on into week 16?
1: No. No, I think it's going to be a good one. I think I think uh you know what? I'm I'm going to just I'm going to come out and say it now. Um I yeah. know that my my choices for victories are probably like given to this. I I think that it's going to be the toilet bowl for this for the championship. God. I think it's going to be a 5 and 6 seed facing off.
0: Small market teams. You got the small market yeah. teams coming in.
1: Yeah, um, man. I I
0: mean, there's a certain part of me that that does hope that happens just because we've been rooting for Jake. And I mean, I can't not root for, for my boy. Right. Like right. one of you has to change. So don't, you got to champion this podcast. So right. Uh. So that's we know what we're talking about half the time. So, uh. yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I don't know. I think if I'm just picking strictly with my head, I think Nate probably again, Nate takes the first matchup, but injuries will decide the second one. it'll all be fun yeah it's 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 all random and fantasy football and bullshit and we love it and hate it in equal measure so
1: yeah
0: uh i think that'll just about wrap it up i think the plan is obviously whoever is in the finals we would like to have you on the podcast uh the next week to kind of intro it in and obviously the winner will be on the the week next after that but um so just you know keep that in mind for for nate nate damon and jake's sake that um you know, I'd like, you know, we'd like to get you on if you're in the spot, but let's, let's see who, who we get in that spot. And I think, uh, we've already said it a hundred times. It's been a hell of a year. It'll be a hell of a year next year, but, uh, God, I love fantasy football.
1: Yeah, man. It's a lot of fun.
0: I agree. But I think, uh, with that being said, signing off for tonight, uh, Bo and Cows here. Thanks everybody for joining us.
1: Yeah. Have a good one guys. All
0: right.